0: Welcome everyone to the Grounded Podcast. Nipsey Hustle is going to bring us in just a little bit with grinding all my life. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, Sacrifice. hustle, paid the price. price. Want a slice? Got to roll the dice. That's why all my life I've been grinding all my life. Yeah. It's time to hit this rail we call life and grind it. Sacrifice. Hustle pay the price. Yeah. <sighs> Got to roll the dice. That's why all my life I've been grinding all my life. In John chapter 11, we're introduced to a close family, at least a brother and two sisters, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. Probably a story that you know well. Now, you know, the way, when I read the Bible, this is things that go through my mind. I want to know what the backstory is. How did Lazarus get stuck with an L name when Mary and Martha have M names? Why didn't they come up with some biblical name like Mark or something like that to name Lazarus? But we'll never know. Well, well, I guess we'll know when we get to heaven someday we can ask that question. Or maybe I'm just the weird one who would like to know the answer to that question. But seriously, though, Lazarus was deathly sick. In fact, he's going to die before Jesus uh, goes to his house and brings him out of that tomb. And, and, and so Mary and Martha are going to send a message to Jesus. And they this message says, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Now that's the short version that John gives us. But what Mary and Martha are saying here is that, Lord, we know you are the healer. We know that you can heal our brother, and we're letting you know that he is he is sick. He's he, he's very very sick, at the point of death, and we urgently need you to come to Bethany and heal our brother. That's that's the long Randy Tucker version. Um, and in fact, when Jesus gets this message, he's going to wait. Two whole days before going and responding to the sister's message, and it, it's actually a total of four days from the time that Jesus gets the message and from the time that he goes and raises Lazarus from the dead and brings him uh, out of that out of that tomb. But during this time, Lazarus dies, as I said, and they have his burial, and you can imagine just what the sisters are thinking. And, and we're going to see exactly what they're thinking later on in, in this passage in John chapter 11. But Jesus does something interesting when, when, when he receives the message from the sisters. He looks at his disciples and he says, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son will receive glory from this. Now, this could be a bit confusing since I just said twice that Lazarus died before Jesus responds to the message. But Jesus had a reason. He had a purpose in waiting. That's very hard for us to do. We don't like to wait. I I can speak for myself. I do not like to wait. I'm not patient at all. When I know there's a need, I want to take care of that need. I want to meet that need as quickly and efficiently as possible um and mary and martha in their minds they need jesus right now jesus even you know we say all the time even so lord come quickly you know jesus we need you yesterday because lazarus our brother your friend is is about to die and if you don't get here he's gonna die and we need you right now and jesus purposely waits two days after receiving the message from mary and martha And he even tells his disciples, there's a reason that I am waiting uh, these two days. And he said, it is so I can be glorified in the presence of you guys and Mary and Martha and and those people. Because I'm going to receive glory from this. Jesus actually wanted Lazarus to die so that the Son of God... Jesus himself would be glorified in this situation. And so Jesus tells his disciples, he says, let's go back to Judea. But the problem is with going back to Judea, as is, is we discovered in the last podcast in John chapter 10, this, this is where in John chapter 9 too, uh, this is where the people try to pick up the stones and stone Jesus and he's having all kinds of issues with religious leaders not liking him, wanting him dead. And 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 then you have the Jewish people literally picking up stones to stone Jesus, but he escapes with his life. And here he is telling his disciples that we got to go back to Judea. And and the disciples they don't like, they don't like this very much. They they try to talk him out of going and they they per, try to persuade him not to go. And in fact, when they couldn't persuade Jesus not to go, Thomas, yes, the the same Thomas that, that we call the doubting Thomas, the one who says, unless I put my, my hands and touch it, see the nail prints in his hands and put my hands into his side where that spear pierced his side on the cross. I'm not going to believe you guys. This is when Jesus was resurrected and he started making appearances to his disciples and, and doubting what we call, who we call doubting Thomas. Thomas says, I, "I'm not going to believe this stuff." Well, this is the same Thomas who who responded when Jesus said, "Let's go back to Judea," and when they couldn't persuade Jesus not to go, it's this same Thomas that said, "Come on, let's go to Judea so we can die with him." You know, he, 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 there, there's no, there, there's just a huge lack of faith. That same Thomas, that lack of faith, and so, in you can check it out for yourself several times throughout the gospels Jesus would scold the disciples for their weak faith in mark chapter 9 the disciples couldn't cast cast out a demon uh, out of this kid and you know the dad's getting upset the people around him are getting upset and and and, and here they are it's kind of uh, they're in this crowd and, and they can't get the job done and and they're they're actually looking like a, a bunch of idiots because they can't cast out this demon. You could just picture this in your mind, this group of guys, and they're around this little kid, and and, and the dad's saying, I need you to heal my son. He has a demon, and they're, and they're trying all these different ways to cast out this demon, but yet they can't do it. And so Jesus says to them, to his disciples, he says, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? And in Matthew chapter 8, the disciples are caught in a storm, and and they're afraid. And you would think, why are they afraid? They have Jesus there on on, on the the boat with them, but he's asleep, which is kind of neat because they're in a storm, and Jesus is asleep, but they're scared to death, and they're hollering, and and so they go, and they, they run, and they get Jesus, and they wake him up. And so Jesus tells his disciples, he says, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. And then he calms the storm. And you know these guys—they saw everything that Jesus did. They 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 listened to his teachings over three a three-year t- uh, span of time, and they, they see these miracles that that he did. But their their faith—it sometimes it was strong, but a lot of times it was weak and, and, and we can be guilty of the same thing in fact it wasn't until acts chapter 2 when the holy spirit fell on peter and the rest of the apostles um, that they had this boldness about them and that's when they were speaking in tongues and the people from all different nationalities had come back to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost, and they heard their own they, they heard this message that Peter was saying about Jesus in their own language. Uh, but after that point in Acts chapter two, when the Holy Spirit fell on the apostles, man, they had the boldness and they even They had so much boldness that they were getting beat, they were getting beheaded, they were, they were, they were losing their lives, they were being persecuted by Saul and, and these reli- these Pharisees and these religious leaders, but yet they, they were filled with so much boldness. But before that time, even though they were with Jesus himself and, and traveled around with Jesus for three to three and a half years and heard his teachings and, and were literally in the presence of Jesus, they had weak faith. And, and, and we we can be as uh, guilty as that as well. Their faith was weak despite Jesus telling them on numerous occasions, I'm going to die, I'm going to be buried, but I'm going to be raised up on the third day. You know, and, and I would be the first one to say I have strong faith, but do I really? What, what about your faith? If I were to ask you how strong are you in the faith, you would say my faith is strong. But is it really? Is it really? You know, it doesn't take much for our faith to be challenged, and we soon realize how we're much like the disciples. We have very little faith, and that's going to be the case with with Mary and Martha. And if you think about it, I, I can speak for myself. You know, I was a preacher for many years, and. I, I know a lot of Christian people, and I'm including myself in this. I'll be, I'll be the first in line who would like to say, I'm so strong in the faith, and I'm living, living for Jesus, and you know I'm reading His Word, and I'm praying every day, and, and, and I'm building this relationship with Him, and I'm, I'm, I'm strong, and I'm walking in the faith. But yet, <clears throat> the very smallest thing comes along in my life and knocks me off course, and I, I lose it. I'm not that I lose my faith, I just, I lose track, I, I get my eyes off Christ, I start like, kind of like what Peter did with the winds and the waves, and I start to sink because I have weak faith at times. But the good thing is, Christ does not give up on us. He, he is there with us, just like he was with the disciples in that boat that, that, that time, and, and he calmed the storm. And yes, he scolded them on several occasions for their weak faith, but he never gave up on them and then we see how strong their faith becomes in Acts chapter 2 and we too as Christians we have to remind ourselves on a daily basis. that's why Paul says I die daily but we have to remind ourselves that we are filled with the same Holy Spirit that the disciples were filled with in Acts chapter 2 it's Jesus Christ and God the Father living inside of us through the power of the Holy Spirit so really We should not have weak faith. But what's the song say? I'm only human. We're human. And sometimes when something strong comes our way and knocks us off course a little bit, we tend to lose it. But the good thing is, God is patient with us. He's long-suffering, as the King James says. And he doesn't give up on us. He stays with us. And we get back up and we continue our walk, strengthening our faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God is so important to be in the word of God to strengthen our faith. And so we're going to be looking at Mary Martha here in just a minute. And the disciples are going to travel with Jesus to Bethany, which is only a few miles from Jerusalem, uh, where the people tried to stone Jesus and, and Lazarus has been dead for four days. And I did a little research on, and this is kind of gross, but I, I did a re, some research on body decomposition after death. And if Lazarus has been dead for four days, I want to give you kind of an idea of what's going on in that tomb where Lazarus is buried. And this is according to Dr. Apad A. a. Voss, a senior staff scientist at Oak Ridge National Laboratory, an adjunct associate professor at the University of Tennessee in forensic anthropology. He's he says human decomposition begins around four minutes after a person dies and follows four stages. So in four minutes time, after a person dies, their body starts the decomposition process. But he says there's four stages, autolysis or however you say that, bloating, active decay, and skeletonization. As in the case of Lazarus, within four days, here's what would have been happening to his body. Rigor mortis has been, uh, has set in and causing muscle stiffening. Small blisters filled with nutrient rich fluid begins to appearing on eternal organs and the skin's surface. The body will appear to have a sheen, uh, due to ruptured blisters and the skin's top layer will begin to loosen. Leaked enzymes from the first stage begin producing many gases. The sulfur containing compounds that the bacteria release are uh, also cause skin discoloration. And due to the gases, uh, bloating occurs and the human body can double in size. In addition, insect activity can be present and blood containing foam leaks from the mouth and nose. It's nasty. And so the, the microorganisms and bacteria produce extremely unpleasant odors called putrefaction. These odors often alert others that a person has died and can linger long after a body has been removed. Now, being a preacher, I've been around some dead people, and I mean people who literally just took their, their last breath, and that smell is almost immediate, and it's a smell you will never forget. And evidently, Martha had been around death before because she lets Jesus know that she said it's been four days since he's died and he's gonna be stinking let's take a break and we'll come right back
1: my name is dinah grace hawk and i started a movement of empowerment i focus on revelation 12:11, which states that we will overcome conquer and defeat him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony and we will not love our own lives even unto death see sharing testimony squashes pride It empowers, it strengthens, it encourages, and it heals. This whole movement is focused on sharing our testimony, our walk with the Lord, how he's using us in this life to empower others to do the same. By doing this, we will overcome anything that this world can throw at us because we are covered by the blood of the lamb. Every week from now till the end of the year, I'll be highlighting a different woman in the ministry and they're gonna share their testimony. Tune in every Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern, either on Facebook or Instagram at Dinah Grace Hawk, and you get to be a part of this movement, too. I'll see you there.
0: So Mary and Martha get wind that Jesus is on his way, and Martha takes off, and and she goes out to greet Jesus, but Mary, like the little pigs on your toes, they stayed at the house. She wasn't very happy with Jesus, and and we're going to see that in just a bit, but I want to point out the two differences in these sisters. Martha goes out to meet Jesus and she tells Jesus, She says, Lord, if only you had been here. You know, we did send for you, dude, it, like days ago and you didn't show up. But they don't know that Jesus purposely waited two days so that he could be glorified in this situation. They just know that they sent a message to Jesus and he didn't show up and now their brother is dead and they've got a beef with Jesus. And so Martha says, If you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. In other words, Martha sees some hope. She knows that Jesus is the miracle worker and that he can do something about the situation. But Mary, not so much. When Mary sees Jesus, she says, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. And that's all she says in other words we sent you a message and dude you didn't show up you didn't come you've waited too late and we don't really understand why but now lazarus your dear friend that we you know told you to get over here because he's dying and he needed you well he's dead and now he's buried and it's almost been four days dude what's up you waited too late he's gone in other words mary didn't have any hope martha had a glimmer of hope mary didn't have any hope and what hope that Martha showed, but like I said, it wasn't a whole lot, but at least she had some. And Jesus is going to go to the grave in just a little bit and, and he's going to tell him to roll away that, that gravestone. And Martha, you know, she stops him and she says, dude, you sure you want to do this? Because he's been dead four days and he's stinking. So listen carefully to, to John chapter 11, verse 33. It says, it's talking about Mary, when Jesus saw her weeping, and saw the other people wailing with her, a, a, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. See, Jesus knew Martha's response was weak, and her faith in him was weak, and now he's dealing with Mary's doubt, and not only her doubt, but there's a crowd of, the, and what they would do in the in the Bible days was they actually paid people to mourn at funerals. And so when Mary comes out to meet Jesus, these mourners thought that she was going to the tomb to mourn for her brother, so they follow her. So now you have this crowd of paid mourners who are weeping because they're paid to do so. It's all fake, but they're they're paid to cry. And so that's what they're doing. They're crying and they're mourning. And so you have Martha's uh, weak faith. You have the disciples' weak faith before that. You have uh, Mary's uh, no faith. And then you have all these paid mourners who are, who are crying are surrounding Jesus. And he's already been dealing with uh, these Jewish people who are supposed to love him and accept him, but they don't have no faith in him. And he ha- he's dealing with the religious leaders who surely don't have any faith in him. And John says a deep. Anger welled up inside Jesus. And the Greek word here is tarasso. And it means to agitate, to to trouble, to cause one inward commotion, to take away his calmness of mind, uh, to make restless. In other words, to put it plain, Jesus was not a happy camper. And it gets worse. We have what people think is the shortest verse in the Bible here when it says Jesus wept. But technically, it's not the shortest verse. If you go to the Greek text, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 is the shortest verse. It says rejoice always. But anyway, all of my life I was taught that Jesus is crying because he loved Lazarus so much and he was sad because Lazarus has died. But I, I don't think that's what's going on here at all. And I'm going to explain that to you uh, in, in just a second. Jesus knew Lazarus was going to be raised from the dead. And so death is really no big deal to Jesus because he's the life giver. And he had told Martha that the people who believe in him will never die, meaning they will live with him in heaven after the resurrection. And so there's two words in the Greek language that we don't see in this English translation. When, I talk, when it says Jesus wept, the word for wept. There's two Greek words, kaleo, which means to lament, to wail, to <gasps> you're, you're crying with such emotion. It's that deep, deep inner cry that your chest is hurting, your face is so red, you're crying uncontrollably, uh, uncontrollably, and you're almost like dry heaving, throwing up. What That is such a deep inward pain cry. That's what kaleo Uh, means and now let me give you some examples of that Uh, John chapter 20 verse 11 Jesus had just died and he's been placed in the tomb and it's the third day Mary goes to visit the tomb and and she's tore up and she doesn't realize what's going on because she's she's actually talking to angels and it just doesn't compute in her brain but in John chapter 20 verse 11 through 13 it says Mary was standing outside the tomb crying and there's your word kaleo and as she wept, Kaleo, she, st- she stooped and looked in, and she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they say to her, Dear woman, why are you crying? And she says, Because they have taken away my Lord she replied, and I don't know where they've put him. And so then she turns from the angels and she doesn't even acknowledge that she's talking. Well, first of all, she acknowledged that the tomb is open and she doesn't acknowledge that she's talking to two angels and she's going to turn and she sees this dude and she she supposedly thinks that uh, she mistakenly takes him as the gardener because she's so tore up because the tomb is open and Jesus is their body is missing, but all this is not computing in her mind. She just thinks that Jesus is gone, and he's already told them that He's going to be resurrected on the third day. That He's going to come back to life on the third day. But it's just not registering where her, her good friend, her best friend, has died and been buried. So that's the Greek word for cleo. It, it, it is she was so torn up. She was just a deep inner pain and crying in so much tears. The word here in John chapter 11, when it it says that Jesus wept, it's not the same word, and it does not carry the same meaning as kaleo. The word here is dakruo, which means to shed a tear. And in my opinion, this has nothing to do with Lazarus, but it has everything to do with the lack of faith that is surrounding Jesus everywhere that he goes. And and here are his dearest friends, Mary and Martha, who he, he has a great relationship with. He's close to these people, and they doubt him. They have a lack of faith. And he's been surrounded by these 12 men who's followed him around for three years, and they have this lack of faith. And it's like everywhere that Jesus went, these people should have known who He is. That He and they did. They said that you are the. You uh, Peter made the proclamation. I believe it in what Matthew sixteen, Matthew seventeen. You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. They believed that He is who He says He is. But on occasions, they had weak faith. And here's Jesus surrounded by all this weak faith. And here he is there to be glorified and and because of their weak faith he got angry he was teed off let me put it that way he was really angry John says a deep anger welled up inside of him and so they go to the tomb and Jesus says roll away the stone and Martha says hey you sure you want to do this thing because he's going to be stinking He's surrounded by these pain, paid mourners who followed Mary. And John also points out that, uh, like I said, that there's this deep anger that wells, wells up inside Jesus. And in John chapter 11, verses 33 through 39, it says, When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked. I mean, he, 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 he's ticked. He's ticked. And that I, I believe that that's how he asked that question it was probably deeper than that. where have you put him he asked him i don't think it was now where have you put him because i'm here to do my work i'm here to bring him back to life i don't think that's what this is uh, not not the kind of tone at all jesus is hot and he wants where have you put him and uh, they tell him lord come and see and jesus wept and verse 36 says, the people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. That's the paid mourners. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Here's the doubt. This man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry. Verse 38, John 11, 38. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone wrote across his entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. Now, I don't know how far they had to travel from Mary and Martha's village to get to that grave site, but however long it was, Jesus was hot. He was boiling mad. He was angry from all the disbelief. This is my opinion. He was angry from all the disbelief and the lack of faith, not because Lazarus had died and Mary and Martha were upset, but because of the lack of faith. Hey, let me ask you this. Have you ever been so angry so mad that you just shake and you cry just just shed some tears because that's the word that john uses here it's not kaleo which means to deeply be in pain and they're wailing and they're crying and dry heaving and that kind of no john's saying jesus shed some tears and i i know people i have friends who would get so angry they 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 just they they really black out. They just don't even realize what's going on. And Jesus is hot here. And and so I, I think it's because of the lack of faith that he's surrounded by. And he's had enough of it. He, he, he's about to go to the cross, as we're going to see in just a few chapters. And he's like, I cannot believe these people have such lack of faith. And so... We need to roll up, and this this shows the humanity of Jesus, because he had emotions, just like you and me. He got angry, he got sad, he got happy, he got glad, he ate, he got hungry, he got thirsty, all that kind of stuff. And so, in John chapter eleven, verse forty through forty six, Jesus responds, "Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe, if you would have some faith?" So they rolled the stone aside, and Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But these knuckleheads over here, they might hear me, but it ain't computing in their brains. Thank you that you always hear me. But I said it out loud, Jesus says, for the sake of all these people standing here Mary, Martha, their family, these paid mourners, my disciples. All these people stand here. I'm saying this out loud so that they will believe you sent me. And then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in headcloth, And Jesus told him, unwrap him and let him go. And many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. Is that not awesome? Jesus went from angry and saying I told you if you would just believe it's going to be okay and he says the same thing to you and me because when things happen in our lives and we lose our focus and we, we get our focus off of Jesus and we get our we turn our focus onto whatever has come our way and knocked us off our path a little bit. Jesus fades and this thing, whatever it is, that has come our way and, and knocked us off our path. It becomes very big because our attention gets focused on it and we get fixed on it and we, we, we get fascinated with it and we begin to coddle it and, 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 and kind of snuggle up to it when we should be focused on Jesus and Jesus is saying, trust me, everything's going to be okay. You, the answer that you're praying for may not come right now. Like you wanted to, that's why you know when Jesus says, "Seeking, you'll find; knock, and all that stuff." It, when He said all that, it's a continual action. Keep on asking. Keep on knocking. Keep on seeking. That's what Jesus was actually saying. We don't get that in some of the in the English translations, but it, it's a it's a continual walk. It's a continual trust, and it, we build our faith daily and it's why it's so important that we be in the word of god because the enemy is strong satan is strong very strong, and he's a lot stronger than we are and we have to be covered in god's armor ephesians chapter 6 and when we can't do anything else we stand and we face the enemy and but our weapon is the word of god i mean how did jesus defeat satan when he was led out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tested for uh, 40 days. And Satan comes along and he tempts Jesus three different ways, the same three ways that we're tempted. And Jesus defeated Satan by the Word of God. And far too often when things happen in our lives, we, we tend to have a tendency to draw back instead of pushing forward and locking our eyes and, and fixing our gaze on Jesus we, we turn to whatever's going on in our lives and we draw back from God. We draw back from Jesus. And that is a dangerous place to be when we should be digging in God's word and building our faith and becoming stronger and stronger in our faith. But I'm just as guilty as anybody else. And I've been studying the Bible since um, I was taking the Bible to school when I was in the third grade. I've been reading and studying the Bible for a long time. Not that I, I know a whole lot about it. I've forgotten more than I've ever known, I'm sure. But I do know a little bit about it. But even when things come along in my life, I mean, there's there's things I struggle with right now, and I, and a lot of you know about it. And it 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 just sometimes overpowers me, and and I'll, I'll fall into depression and 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 battle with that, and it it it's and. and I've battled with alcohol, not really addiction to alcohol, but I've struggled with it because I know what it's like to be faced with a very tough trial. And and when I say we should turn our eyes to Jesus, but many times we turn to other things in the world, drugs, alcohol, sex, all kinds of things we fill that void with. I know what I'm talking about because I've been there and done that. And I'm telling you, that's not the way we should be. We, you know, Mary and Martha, Lord, if you'd only been here, this would not have happened to our brother. You could have taken care of this. But you know what? When we think it's all doom and gloom and it's all over, Jesus says, no, well, hey, stand back. He doesn't say hold my beer because he doesn't drink beer, obviously. But he does say, hey, stand back, watch this, and watch me work because I'm about to be glorified. And I want to encourage you If you're weak in the faith, if something's going on in your life, stay faithful. Stay faithful to God. Uh, One of my favorite hymns, hold to God's unchanging hand. In our weakness, He is made strong. Don't give up. And that's what this podcast is all about. To keep grinding, to keep going. When, When life happens, just grind it. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Grind it podcast today. You can send any questions or comments to grinditpodcast at gmail.com. Please join us next time. And when a challenge comes your way,
1: just all grind it.
0: been grinding all my life, sacrifice, hustle, pay the price, want a slice, got the roll dice. That's why all my life, I've been grinding all my life, look, all my life, been grinding all my life.